This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, gave me a glass of cupboard Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald. I'm the host here of Living Fearlessly on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, I want to thank you for being over 175,000 podcast subscribers to Living Fearlessly on various platforms. So today I am joined by yet another phenomenal guest, somebody who I'm very grateful for having uh, joined us today and bestowing us with the gift of their precious time. My guest today is a lovely woman by the name of Serena Dyer, who would be known as the daughter of the late Wayne Dyer. So just to give a little bit of backdrop as to turning it over shortly to Unscripted Dialogue about Serena and her individual story, for anybody who would know, uh, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know. So Wayne Dyer, just to give you a little bit of information, was an American spiritual teacher, philosopher, self-help author, and a motivational speaker. His first book, Your Euronis Zones, written in 1976, is one of the best-selling books of all time, with an estimated 35 million copies sold to date. One of my actual favorite quotes, written and coined by the late Wayne Dyer, is two of them, actually. I am realistic. I expect miracles, as well as if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So, Serena, I want to welcome you to my program. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's such a lovely honor to have you here. Uh, I know that life for you is uh, extremely busy. And, of course, it's a bit of a twofold interview here because, of course, a lot of who you are and the legacy that your dad left behind lives on through you. Um, and you're very much your dad's daughter in many respects, which is why I wanted to have you on the show because your dad's left an incredible, as you know, legacy upon the world. And many of us in the personal development world, including myself, have been very much touched by his message, his spirit, and certainly by his legacy. So, you know, maybe you can maybe personalize this a little more for our listening audience outside of what people would glean from all the following they've done of your dad throughout the year. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what your dad meant specifically to you, and that being a very unique relationship. Wow. Yeah. I mean, my dad, for me growing up, and even now, um, since he has passed away, I, I in no way believe that he is no longer here. In fact, the communication I have with him since he passed is is so incredible that I'm almost finished with a book that I'm I'm writing about just that alone. Um, but he's larger than life, always has been. Things that people probably wouldn't know would be just how funny he really is. Um, his sense of humor actually is very, very raunchy, but he <laughs> always sort of hid that from the public. 
because, you know, there are a lot of people that don't laugh at that sort of thing. It was very politically involved. I think that would also come as a surprise to some people that um, that he had a habit of watching the news in the evening and and following along very closely with our political leaders. Uh, he was very um, afraid that Donald Trump would be elected president when he first started talking about it. And, um, you know, so he, he had a lot of political involvement. I think that would probably be surprising for people. Another thing I think that a lot of people wouldn't really know is how truly devoted he was to the message, to the work, how he had a calling. And I know everyone felt that when he was up on stage, that he was really living his dharma um, or his purpose, if you will. And I know that a lot of people that have followed him over the years are familiar with his famous line, don't die with your music still in you. And I feel um, very confident that the time that he chose to leave this earth was the correct time because he really came here and played the music he came here to play. And he was ready for phase two for the next step, the next journey, if you will. And he gave a lot of signs actually looking back that, um, that he had an awareness of that as well. So I would say that my dad's devotion to his work, to the message, it wasn't just something that he talked about on stage. But at the same time, I think it's very important for people to understand when I say that he was devoted to the work, to the message, it's not like he was an individual that didn't have opinions, that didn't sometimes judge and catch himself, that didn't um, have bad habits, that didn't let people down in relationships or cause problems in relationships at times. Um, this isn't somebody that didn't struggle with his own personal demons. He was a, a very much a human. And I think that's what made him so relatable, so personal when you listen to him or read his work is that he was very aware of his his human nature and the shortcomings that he had, you know, in being a, a man. And I think that he really fought to overcome a lot of those, even until the end. So he was devoted to his work, but he wasn't sitting around chanting mantras and burning incense all day. Not at all. He was, he was just, you know, the very opposite of that. And, and I, I find it surprising. The reason I say it like that is because I often have people say things to me, or even before he died, I had people say things to me like, your father is my guru. And then I would think, well, don't, don't guruify him. And he would say the same thing, don't gurufy me, because if you do, you're going to you're gonna come to find out that I'm flawed, like anybody else. And if, if you become too caught up in me as the individual, you're going to lose sight of the message. And that's really what he was about, was just being a good teacher, a good messenger. Um, and I think that that was his biggest lasting legacy, was the lessons that he came here to teach and how much those impacted people. For me the biggest legacy was who he was as a father and what that meant and what that felt like. But, you know, it's, it's, it would be impossible for me to say that the lessons that he taught the world were separate in any way from who he was to me as a father and a friend, because all the lessons that he was up on stage teaching, he was practicing on me and my siblings growing up. So <laughs> that was sort of the experience. Lovely. Well, there's a few things that, as you spoke, came to me simultaneously, and I'll try to hold on to these thoughts because they're all very important that I'd like to uh, speak to with you about here. So your dad was very much about self-actualization, and going back to referencing what you just mentioned moments ago about the comment uh, or the label of guru, your dad being who he was and in who he embodied 
in terms of the message and truly being a gentleman who walked his talk as a, as a real pivotal leader, a very in, emotionally intelligent thought leader. You know, he would be the first person to strip that down, I'm sure, and say, well, no, because if you start looking upon me as the guru, then really what you're doing is you're differentiating and putting us into different hierarchies. I'm no more important than you are. You just have to tap into who it is that you are, figure out what your purpose is, your dharma, and run with that, correct? Absolutely. I think he would also take it a step further and say, we, we are all one. And he yeah. really believed that, that every single one of us is a unique, needed, desired, purposeful intention of the great source. Every single one of us is here for a reason. And, and whatever that reason is, is sort of up to us to figure out, to tap into, to uncover. But that every one of us, is here for a reason, and that reason is being a unique representation of the divine. But that when when we leave here, we all go back to the divine, and therefore we're all part of the same one, the same whole, and we all have our own purpose and our own path. And for him, anytime you start labeling or dividing or, as you said, creating a hierarchy between the people, between you know human beings, you're just you're just separating out the divine you're really just dividing up the divine and you can't do that or if you do that you're only separating yourself further from god because if you recognize i say god but some people might say source universe god consciousness divine whatever you want to say but for me the word god is comfortable so i would say god and he would say god um and so for him this is what i was sort of raised on was this idea that as soon as you start dividing yourself or labeling or finding opponents or people to be enemies of it's when you start becoming further and further from God because God sees no difference between you or I. We're just unique reflections, interpretations of the great one. And so his, his feeling was the biggest goal in life is to be able to recognize God in everyone because that's the way God thinks. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I would certainly echo your sentiments on that. Um, so the other Thank thing you. you mentioned, too, it was a, a key word that's a segue into where I would like to go with this, too, as well. And again, this is all unscripted. So you mentioned signs. And that takes me back to in doing my research about you and your journey with your father. Um, you talked about the day you were quoted the day that your father had passed on and you had retreated to your room and you had had a conversation with your dad uh, post the news of his passing. And you said that, um, you know, you spoke with your dad, you were lying on your bed, and you said, I don't want each step away from August 13th to be another step away from you, another day from having talked to you last, another day farther from having seen you last. I don't want to go forward without help me, not leave you in the past. Let me know you're still here with me so I can carry you with me into the future. So every major thing that happens in my life, I can still talk to you about it. And then you asked your dad for a sign. And what was that, Serena? Yes, it was August 30th. I think you said the 13th. So I just want to clarify so his Wikipedia page doesn't get updated incorrectly. But, yes, that was August 30th. And the sign that I received was I felt this sudden urge to listen to his podcast, which I had never done before. I had never listened to a podcast on my phone. In fact, I honest to God did not even know that there was an app that I use an iPhone, that there was an app that my iPhone came with that was called podcast. And I felt this sudden like urge to listen to his, his radio show, which would stream through the podcast. 
So I just opened, I scrolled through my phone, I saw it there, and I was like, this is cool. And I typed in his name, and the first one that came up, I hit play. And it was about a young man that was um, losing his mother, and she was sick, and he was asking for help. And I think it was about 15 minutes. And they had a a 15-minute call, and I thought, you know, listening to him, I felt very calm, I felt very reassured. But I didn't feel like it was quite the sign that I had been hoping for. And just as it was coming to an end, he said, my father said in the podcast, now, if you know what, I need to go back and listen to it exactly because I've said this story now a few times and I want to have the, the, the right quote and I don't have it verbatim and I, I actually want to go back and find that one so I can get it verbatim. Mm-hmm. But he said something to the effect of, um, if everybody can take a moment and send love to my daughter Serena, she's going through a hard time right now. And I just started bawling because, you know, he did not mention me in any way during the whole first portion of that that podcast. I didn't know why I was feeling such a draw to listen to it. But then at the very end when he said that, he specifically said my name. And if everyone could send, um, you know, like love to me, I just was so blown away because I felt like it all was just in such divine order and it was such an indication to me that he was right there making sure that I would know that moving forward, he was going to be right there. And just because there's a separation from the physical doesn't mean that there's a separation from the spirit. And and if you really look at, at the big picture here, I mean, throughout all of history, we've been reminded by great spiritual teachers that it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And because of that, um, because of that awareness that it really is the spirit that continues on, I feel totally confident in saying that I know that he is still here. And it's not like a daughter who misses her father who wants him to still be be here, because there is that. But that's not what this is. This is without a doubt, conversations, signs, things that have happened that have let me know that he's absolutely still here. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I certainly appreciate you being raw and candid and sharing that with myself and the listeners, Serena. And, you know, there's no doubt about it. You know, you are very much your dad's daughter. You're very articulate. You're very insightful. You're very self-aware. And, you know, although your dad would have very clearly loved all of his children because you are a big family, what do you think made your relationship with your dad uh, beyond unique? Outside of the fact that you both co-authored a book, Don't Die With Your Music Still In You, my experience growing up with spiritual parents, you know, what is it about the relationship and the bond that you shared with your dad uh, that makes that just so significant, untouchable? Oh, wow. I, I don't know if it's because my whole life everyone always said, Serena, you're just like him, um, or if it's because I wanted to be like him when I was little. Um, he had an ability to come in the room and command the attention of everyone that walked in, and that was very exciting for me. So it, it would be impossible. I mean, a psychologist would probably have a field day, but <laughs> it would be impossible for me to parse out whether I'm inherently like him because naturally because I'm his daughter or mm-hmm. if because I strived to be like him as a child observing and watching and listening to him. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but from the very beginning, since as, as far back as I can remember, my parents would joke that I was a lot like my father. So I think that when you have a child that is like you, I think that, that you know, for a lot of parents, that's fun for them to see. 
I remember that he would say, um, when I would come visit him on Maui, when I was on break from college, I went out to school in Arizona, and I, w- I remember I would be talking a million miles a second at dinner about what it is that I was learning, and I was studying religion and international relations, so I was constantly fascinated with what was going on in the world at the time, and I would come in and talk, you know, so excited and so passionately about it, and did you know this, and and I remember one time he looked at me at the table and said, God, I was just like you when I was your age. <laughs> and I felt really good about it because, you know, I, you know, because I loved him and I adored him and I couldn't have thought of a better compliment that he could have given me. And then he also said, and it's so funny that now, as I've gotten older, I want to talk less about what I've learned and I want to listen more. But now more people want to hear me talk and I have less opportunity to listen since they want to hear from me. So for him, it was like quite funny that as he had gotten older, he was less interested in in speaking (laughs) and traveling, but there was more of a demand. Wow. Lovely. And now that you're a parent yourself, Serena, you know, what kind of insights do you have that perhaps you may not have had or learned or adopted uh, as a result of being your dad's daughter that you now really understand more so it's more crystallized being a parent yourself the biggest one without a doubt is that every person every little being that comes here does not come here for us but through us Mm -hmm. and that they all come here with their own unique personalities unique uh, drives passions fears and that as a parent the most important thing we can do is to honor that to not try and strip away quiet down drive out the the uniqueness that makes them them I do not view either one of I have two daughters they're 10 months and two years and I do not view either one of them as in any way needing to please me in terms of what they do with their life who they end up being um, you know if they chose to follow a religion or not get married or not who they loved or not it has nothing to do with me I love them and so much, and they're just so little, and I love them so much for everything that makes them them, and there's not one thing about either one of them that I would change, nor is there one thing about either one of them that I would hope that they would change. I hope that what I'm able to do for them is what my parents, both of them, my mother and father, did for me, which was to allow me to feel so secure in who I was that nobody could have convinced me to be anything else otherwise. And even more so than that, the other huge lesson that that I learned from my parents was that we cannot tell our children to follow their dreams while simultaneously ignoring our own. Because children, you know, they they see what we're doing and it's so loud Mm -hmm. that what we're doing sometimes you know, covers up what we're saying. It blocks out what we're saying. And if I were to say to my daughters, follow your dreams, do what you love, follow your passion, do what excites your soul, but simultaneously I'm not doing anything for myself. I'm not I'm not doing the things that I love. I think that they would end up thinking that the best thing they could do when they become parents, if they choose that, is is to give up their dreams for their family as well. And my parents did not do that. In fact, Bingo. they did the opposite. Beautiful. Right. Bingo. They, that, yes. Yeah. Is, in yeah. fact, what, 
what they did was they demonstrated for me a type of self-love that was so, it was so loud. It was so clear. It was so obvious that this was a self-love and that they, ha they each, my mother and my father, each had a, a calling and a dharma and that that was going to be what they needed to do. And if that meant sometimes missing a soccer game or a play, that's what it meant. And it was never not okay with me because I was so proud of them for what they were doing and who who they were and, and the people that they were that it, it never would have occurred to me to be upset with them for wherever they were at in their life because they would never have gotten upset with me for the same thing. Beautiful. Such a crucial point, particularly when you're talking about parenthood and going forward with imparting and role modeling the life lessons. So thank you for sharing that for the, the listeners, Serena. Um, now, how is your mom? You know, now that she's got grandchildren, um, you know, it must be, I mean, she obviously would be missing your dad for what he represented in her life and, and being spirit soulmates, twin flames, however you wish to characterize it. But, you know, having children that you have that are of that young age and grandparenting without him by her side, I mean, that's got to be very bittersweet for her. Well, absolutely. So my parents separated when I was 16, but they stayed married up until the day they up until the day my dad died. So, um, so they lived separately, but <laughs> they stayed married and, and had a very, very close relationship, very unique relationship. Mm -hmm. They stayed married, um, but they we all regularly traveled as a family. They spoke on the phone every single day, and they remained each other's best friends. But when it got to a point for both of them that they wanted to sort of kind of take a different path away from each other they did and that was okay it was a little rough in the beginning because it was new and uncomfortable but mm -hmm. again it, it totally smoothed out within like a year or so so and that was when I was 16 and I'm almost 32 so it was quite a while ago mm -hmm. um, but my mom is remarkable I mean my dad would say publicly on stage everything that he learned he learned he learned because she got him to that place of being able to learn mm -hmm. um, in other words she was she was the one who was the natural meditator, who was naturally peaceful, who's inherently calm, who has always been able to sort of offer a compassionate, understanding ear to anybody that, that comes across her. She and my father are very different. He would be the gregarious, outgoing, funny, social one. She's much more reserved and quiet. So mm -hmm. they're very different in that way. But she's she's doing well. I mean, she also has... Um, had remarkable experiences with my father since he passed, and he's even appeared to her, which I know some people are going to roll their eyes. I think is not possible, but you know, where, when you are raised on the idea that everything is possible, yes, that that leaves nothing out. So, for me, it would never even be something I would consider as not a possibility. Beautiful. Well, I'm glad he's come through and he's been there and remains in spirit for you and, and the other members of your family, including your mom. I mean, that's got to be very comforting and it's also got to be reinvigorating. You know, it just once again realigns all and, and reiterates all the messages in which you were brought up to believe that it just, it, it continues to go. It continues to evolve. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And, you know, and what a testament to your parents, you know, regardless of their technical split, but having put the children at the forefront and really embodying what it is to be a family, regardless of whatever disparities or whatever issues that would cause two people to venture off on different paths. I mean, you know, that in itself 
recreates and reestablishes and firms the foundation of what it is for you as a parent of reminding you, not that you would necessarily need it, but that children do come first and that, um, you know, that love is love and that obviously your mom played a pivotal role in your dad's life and in his journey and regardless of how people grow apart or wish for different things in their lives, you can still embody what it was that brought you together that, in your parents' case, produced such beautiful children and grandchildren. I agree, and thank you. I think that was beautiful, and, and that's exactly the case. For me, when they decided to separate and then decided to stay married, it was such a pivotal moment for me in my life because at 17, you know, they, they separated at six when I was 16, but then at 17, 18, they really worked it out and decided to stay married and, and devoted to the family. And for me, it was such a pivotal moment in my life because it redefined to me the meaning of love, of marriage, and of what a relationship can look like. And I realized at that time that a relationship can be whatever it is that you want to decide it be. Mm-hmm. And forget what society may think or other people may think. None of that matters. A relationship can be all about love. And that's the only thing that it should be about. And that's what they did. And they they sort of, I don't know, uh, promoted that idea or demonstrated that idea, I think would be a better word, that a relationship based in love, it never needs to have pain or suffering or division. It can just be about love. And if, and if if there is a divorce, let's say, that can still be about love. If there is a separation, it can still be rooted in love. And you can define it however works for you. Not what society or, or family members or anyone else really would tell you. Beautiful. Now, I want to talk a little bit about you. We've talked a lot about your dad, and I know that it's, you know, for what he means to you and what he still carries in spirit within you, it's hard to differentiate, but you are your own person separate from that. So I would like to talk about, you know, what does it mean for you, Serena, to live fearlessly? What it really means is for me to understand that when I have a sensation, a feeling, a knowing, when there's something that excites me on a cellular level, you know, like I just feel a calling, that is, that is the greatest thing I can honor in myself. And to live fearlessly means to not be afraid to honor that. No matter what anybody else may think, no matter what risk it may carry, no matter how it may look. I mean, mm-hmm. to just honor the inner calling or the inner sensation that that excites me on a level that's like God coming through. You know, I, I think that for me that's really what living fearlessly means. It means following and trusting that when I honor that sensation, that knowing, when I honor that, when I come from that place, there is nothing that I cannot do or accomplish, or or get to know, or grow from. Nothing, no matter how bad, or awful, or difficult the circumstances may be. And I've had that recently. I've had very difficult circumstances that have come up in the last two years, and I have had to come back constantly to the place of knowing that when I go within, when I get quiet, when I connect to source that is within me, that's when... I find my way back. And I think that, that that really is about living fearlessly, is finding your way back and trusting. Lovely. Lovely. So 
what else are you endeavoring to do? I, I know from the family that you have been brought into and raised and, and the principles and the values and whatnot, you know, it's very important to be present and to be in the here and now. But we also know for people like yourself and coming from the family that you come from, you know, you've got lofty goals. You have a, your own message. You have many people to reach, and you're very passionate about that. So what are you currently endeavoring to do? What is the short-term plan, the long-term plan, and what else is it that you're impassioned by? What sets your soul on fire? So right now my plan is to get through um, the situation that I'm in with my husband. He's in a kind of a legal situation. So right now we're getting through that. And then my next plan is to finish the book that I've been working on with my sister Sage. And then we will begin the process of going out and speaking and writing more and writing articles and promoting this book and then my long-term plan is to move to Hawaii and see where that takes me expand my family I have two babies now but I'd like to have a few more so Mm uh I haven't I haven't sort of written it all down but that's kind of the the goal that I have in mind fantastic and so what are some of your daily rituals and mantras well I never had mantras before my dad died Mm -hmm. I I it was just something that I didn't just didn't resonate with me. But before he died, he gave me this little book called The Impersonal Life. And he said that it was a book that he had been reading daily, multiple times. So he had finished it, he would start it again, and again, and again. And it's this little, little old book that he was sort of obsessed with. And the, um, the book he gave to me, as I said, before he passed away, but my toddler recently began carrying it around randomly. I don't even know where she found it. I don't even know where I had it. <laughs> And I picked it up, and I opened it, and in there he had written to me, Serena, a gift of empowerment, love dad. And I thought, oh, I forgot about this book. So I sat down to start reading it. And now let me take you back. So before he passed away, he said to me, the most important words you can say to yourself every single day are, be still and know I am God. And he said, I want you to say those, write those, read those everywhere. I want you to know that God is you and you are God and God is within you. And when you say, I am God, you are reaffirming that connection to source. You're, Mm -hmm. you're asking subconsciously your ego to step out of the way. And you're really asking God to come through to, to point you in the direction of your, your Dharma or point you in the direction of what you're here for your purpose. And the, the, important part of that phrase is the be still you need to be still you know i believe it was mother Teresa that said god's one and only voice is silence Mm -hmm. it's very important the first part of that sentence be still Mm -hmm. and know not hope not think not believe not want no i am god well you go ahead sorry no i was just going to say and so so he said that before he died so then when i so then when i saw um, my toddler carrying around this book, I thought, well, maybe I should read this because I was going through a hard time and I was really feeling sort of unconnected in a way. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up and I started reading it. And in the first chapter, it, or maybe it's the second chapter, in the very beginning, because the book's really short, so the chapters are really short, it says, the mo- it, it says in there something to the effect of the most important words you can say every day are be still and no, I am God. Write it down, put it everywhere. And I thought, all right, Dad, I know you want me to read this book because there's a reason Sailor was carrying it around and a reason you said those words to me right before you died. And 
So that that would be my mantra. That would be the thing. I've written it on the fridge. I now say it repeatedly. I say it when I put my, my baby asleep. I say it constantly. So that would be my mantra that I, I do every day. Lovely. Well, you touched upon something that quite often gets discussed on my radio show with other guests, and that's the importance and the significance of inner dialogue, how we communicate with ourselves, given the fact that we are in our own skin, we are with ourselves 24-7. And we we talk about, and this is very important to me, and I say this quite often in various platforms, you know, be your own hero, be your own shiro, be your own leader. Uh, This is why I don't, those your babies? Yeah, I'm sorry. Can you hear her? No, she just yeah. realized. She That's just okay. realized I am locked in the office in our house, and she she's, she's upset. I didn't realize you could hear her in the background. Yes, that no, is my toddler. But don't apologize. No, That's she, beautiful. She's okay though. I have a, a babysitter here that hopefully will get her. <laughs> no, that, that's absolutely okay. I. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It takes me back to when I interviewed David Suzuki, and he was also, he was pulling grandfather duty, and it was on Canada Day last year, and he was very gracious to have spent his time with me and the listeners on radio. And you could hear his children in, in the background, and the feedback that I got from that was that was just absolutely beautiful. Oh, good. Well, I hope yeah. people realize she's not being tortured in the background, <laughs> although it sounds like she's pretty hysterical. She's fine. She just doesn't understand why I can't open the door yeah. and let her come in. But she'll she'll be fine. No, the mother in me instantly knew that she caught your attention and wanted to be with you. I got that. Um, right, right. So, um, so in terms of, yeah, be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader. You know, it is very important in terms of how you choose. And it's a choice to dialogue with yourself. So, you know, I'm very much into the I am self-proclamations, you know. I'm really into manifesting and visualizing and, and truly what you set your intentions on grows stronger. Uh, and certainly for the way that you've been brought up and for uh, the way that your dad was and, and the similar message in which he imparted, no doubt you could attest to that and feel the same way, Serena. I could, and I think that that I do... I'm sorry, can you say that last question again? Because she was just knocking on the door so and I just feel so bad that she's she's now crying so hard, but I oh. I'm sorry. Just no, go ahead. If you okay. could say that again. I I yeah. can see that my babysitter's getting her some milk, so she'll calm down. Okay. So I was just basically saying that um you know, it's in terms of how we choose to dialogue with ourselves, you know, and setting our intentions. So I'm very big into the, the I am proclamations and taking massive action as a result. So if you communicate with yourself in a way that sets the intention on truly what it is you wish to show up in your life or, or for whom you wish to align with or the opportunities and the gifts that you wish to uh, interface with so as to pay it for and be of service to other people, is that not similar to how you choose to live your life and recognizing the importance of inner dialogue? Oh, absolutely. I think that um, I read a quote not too long ago. Somebody had put it on like one of those Instagram memes and it said um, something to the effect of your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your life. And the thoughts that we have about ourselves either bring us closer to God, which is closer to all the things we want in our life, love, abundance, gratitude, friendship, compassion, understanding, they either bring us closer or they bring us further away. And the thoughts that we have, thoughts of harm toward ourselves toward ourselves or others, are thoughts that bring us further away. 
and thoughts of gratitude, of love, of understanding, those are thoughts that bring us closer. And it's it's a struggle. I understand there are times that I have a you know difficult time sending love to certain people in power, for example, or yeah. or feeling grateful when somebody cuts me off in traffic and isn't driving the way I think they should be driving. I mean, I definitely go go through the thoughts that are not the best, and I also go through thoughts about my own self, like you know, you you could be doing more with your life. You um, you were raised with so many of these ideas and principles. Why aren't you applying them better? You know, I, like thoughts that I have toward myself that are sort of very condemning or harsh or or aggressive in nature, and I have to remind myself constantly. And and one of the things that I think is really important about this is that when we when we have the thoughts that are more aligned with thoughts of love, of gratitude, of compassion, it's not like we just have those because we want to feel better. It's important that everyone understand that when we choose those thoughts, we are choosing to attract more of those things into our yeah. life. Because my dad used to always say, you don't get what you want. The secret got it all wrong. You don't get in life what you want. You get what you are. And yeah. what you are is what you tell yourself you are. And what you tell yourself you are is where your thoughts come into play. And when your thoughts are thoughts of I'm not worthy, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm not that smart, people don't like me, I don't get along with anybody, I need to be in control. When you have those thoughts, I can't change, you are reconfirming to the universe that that's the experience that you want to have over and over again in life. And it all starts with the thoughts that you have about yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that if you want to change the circumstances of your life, you have to change the way you're actually thinking about yourself. It's not like today I'm going to choose to feel better even though, you know, somebody cuts me off in traffic, so I'm just going to choose to not get upset about it. If you get upset about it, you get upset about it and you move on. That's not what this is really about. It's about the story that you tell yourself about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, I heard somebody say this the other day on a show that I was watching because I, I have a secret love for reality TV. <laughs> and I heard somebody say on the show, I'm just loud. That's just the way I am and I can't change it. And I was thinking, oh, my God, no, you can definitely change that. <laughs> but, you know, but if you like that about yourself, if you like that you're loud, then don't change it. Right. But it was kind of, you know, it was just one of those moments of like, oh, you can change anything at any time. In fact, many scientists would actually argue now that not only can you change, you know, your personality quickly, but you can actually change your DNA. You can actually change your your yes. your biochemistry. I mean, anybody familiar with Anita Morjani there's no doubt about the fact that she was terminal with cancer and she changed it in an instant, in an instant of self-love. And her, her story is quite remarkable. Beautiful. But it's proof that, that this is true. Absolutely. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, Serena, and that's very much how I navigate, maneuver, and execute my life too. Um, but what I'm going to – I'm going to interject. I'm going to go back to uh, something you said a few moments ago when you were talking about uh, – you know, the significance of how it is that you choose to, and choose being the operative word, dialogue with yourself. And you talked about there being moments where you say to yourself, in not your uh, most self-loving moments, you know, I could be doing more, I should be doing more. Um, I, I'm going to I'm gonna say as an outsider, but somebody who is a huge, uh, 
you know, I just, I love your dad. I, I loved your dad before personal development became so-called trendy or popular because in my previous vocation of having worked in social services and helping people who were disenfranchised and marginalized, you know, there was always things that I had to stay abreast of to keep on top of. So I was very much immersed in the personal development world before it became so-called popular. Um, but going back to what you were saying in those moments of, of how you have communicated with yourself, I'm just going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, you know, in, in the way in which I do kind of quote unquote know you here, Serena, you're a phenomenal human being. You are truly a bright light. And I would say that regardless of your connection or your relationship to your father and your father being recognized for who he was, that would make you be partially on my show, um, but I would say you, in your own right, you are a firecracker. You are you to me. You embody really authentically what it is to live a wholesome life and and to really understand and grasp the gift of life and using it as a vehicle to help propel and self empower other people through your voice and through your message. So I just want to say, in the way that we are connected here and can be connected, I just want to thank you very much personally oh well that's beautiful i really do appreciate that and thank you and i have been called a firecracker by my dad so many times that it, it made me laugh when you said specifically a firecracker because he he loved to say that word um and wow and just a little funny side note when i found out through a medium telling me that i was pregnant with my second daughter <laughs> and she kept saying fireworks your dad is saying fireworks and I said you know he called me a firecracker and she was like well he's saying yes to that but he's also <laughs> saying no fireworks it's going to be related to your second daughter and sure enough her due date was the fourth of July so wow it just makes me yeah it just oh. makes me laugh that that once again firecracker comes up for me because it's a it's a word that he used a lot to describe me and I, I bet you he told you to use that word subconsciously <laughs> I'm I'm getting goosebumps and that's actually going to make me well up here and I don't get emotional <laughs> on radio. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you have a website that is geared towards stop child trafficking. So why child trafficking outside of being a mother, outside of what it is to stand up for people and particularly children, our most vulnerable population of people. But why is that particular plight near and dear to your heart? And, and tell us a little bit more about that and your involvement with that. Okay, so um, it's dear to my heart because I think that without freedom, without the ability to choose for yourself, without the ability to live the life that you imagine when somebody restricts you or attempts to restrict you, I think that I think that your soul is is damaged, is destroyed when somebody tries to take away your freedom. And for me, Human trafficking is a way of, of calling slavery by just a different name. It's, it's just modern-day slavery, and it, it just is soul-crushing. Now, I don't think that when – I don't – I want to be careful with how I say this because I think that everybody comes here with a purpose and has a reason, but I don't think that, that people that are, that are being trafficked are I, – I don't know. I just – when I heard a statistic – from the United Nations Human Rights Council that said that there are more people enslaved today than there were at the height of the Atlantic slave trade. And I thought, well, what in the world are they talking about? The height of the Atlantic slave trade? I mean, that was, you know, 
hundreds of years ago, and that's been gone, gone and done for a while, and I can't imagine that that's still happening. And then I went on to read that it's just called human trafficking, and I thought, I've got to do something about this mm-hmm. because every life should be free to be lived the way that an individual feels they should be free to live it. And for me, it just calls to me. Now, that doesn't mean that other causes are not just as important, access to water, um, you know, freedom from, uh, you know, access to food and nutrition. It's not that. It's just that for me, this calls to me. So this is, for me, my, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe I had experienced something like this in a past life or a parallel life or whatever you want to call it. I just can't shake the idea, particularly of children being, used and sold as commodities, um, mm-hmm. usually for sexual exploitation. And it's just something that is raw and awful, but I don't feel like by being silent about it, I'm empowering anybody. I think if I'm silent about it, I'm empowering the oppressor. Yeah. And I choose to, to, you know, work and talk about it so that, so that those that don't have a voice can be heard if at the very least through me or, or through me providing funds or something to somebody else so that they can be the voice. So that's why I've been kind of involved in that organization. But right now my involvement is, is lower than I'd like it to be. But that's just because I have two babies and a book yeah. that I'm writing in a legal case. Um, so well, that's where I'm at with that. Serena, I just am cognizant of time, and it always goes way too fast for my liking. So very quickly, could you kindly let listeners know where they can connect with you? Sure. I am available through Facebook. Or on serenadyer.com, which is where I have links to Facebook and Twitter and my email and all of that is on, on uh, my website. Well, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. I want to thank you for the lovely nuggets that you've shared and you've imparted to myself and the listening audience. I would love to down the road if you're agreeable to doing so, if there's other things you wish to talk, ramp up, or uh, you know, speak openly and candidly about, would love to have you back on my show, Serena. Um, but, thank you. Uh, I would love to. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you're doing in the way that you do it specific to who you are. The world needs more people like you, so keep shining. And to my oh, thank you. To my listening audience, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your day to join in uh, with myself and my guest today, Serena Dyer. Uh, I really appreciate your loyal listenership. And, of course, if you're not able to tune into the live show, there's always the encore, the podcast that will be uploaded shortly after we go live. And I really encourage people to continue to live fearlessly. Have a lovely day. Have a fantastic weekend. Love and gratitude to you all. This is Lisa McDonald saying thank you very much. See you next Friday. Take care and all my best. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. For more information about Lisa, go to her website, lisamcdonald.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.